Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex and Bernie is here. Hey Alex. Uh, we won't get into how you are and joining <laughs> us today, a very special guest. He's been on before. It's Omar Abdul-Jalil. Omar, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. I uh, volunteered to come here just because I wanted a fresh Liverpool perspective. But yeah, doing <laughs> Doing well. Bernie, I'll be nice, I promise. <laughs> I like how we get volunteers to come on the, on the podcast who are dissatisfied customers who think they can fix it themselves. That's that's really what you want from a pod. <laughs> no, no, the pod's great. I just uh, <laughs> want to make sure Bernie isn't saying the wrong things. That's all. No, no, totally fair. Totally <laughs> to fair. be fair, I talk a lot of shit about, I'm grinchy about my club and everyone else is happy. So... Let me just put that out there. <laughs> all right, all right. Listen, before before we get into it, I have a few fairly neutral questions for both of you. Um, so you we'll call it a bit of a quiz, right? Like first, first, if you know the answer, just shout out. Okay, so um, how many continents are there? <laughs> it depends. You mean habitable or inhabitable? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, colors in the rainbow. Anyone have any ideas? It depends if you include uh, like orange. Six, you know. Oh, seven. That's, Depending that's seven, on where yeah. you are, you can see orange. So, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the third one, the third color, is probably a, a Gakpo chip. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very accessible. Um, and uh, and the world was created according to some in how many days? The what? Come on, Bernie, you should know this. Wait, what's the question? How many how many days did it take to create the world, according well, to some well, books? To, to be fair, it was six and he rested on the last one. <laughs> so <laughs> Listen, if, if it's good enough for Craig David. Seven, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Um you did lose seven nil, Bernie, to Liverpool. We will start there. Um sure. because it's bloody hilarious. Um Omar, before we get into what is probably Liverpool's best day of the season, Bernie, everything's been going really well. Why did that happen briefly? I don't know why you want to talk to me about this. <laughs> like, Omar's right here. You, you can start with the happy shit instead of me just be going off on and saying I told you so. Like, start with Omar, then I'll talk. How about that? Fine, fine, fine. Omar, what went right? Well, not Man United, that's for sure. No, so um, <laughs> um, so a lot of things actually went well for Liverpool. And I'm probably going to start with the most surprising one, which is the midfield battle. So when the starting 11 was announced for both teams, Henderson, Fabinho and Elliot versus Casemiro, who's been unbelievable this season, Fred, who's been overperforming, and then you've got this combination of Weghorst and, and Bruno. The fact that Liverpool dominated um, was was just a complete surprise. But I think the reason that happened is Klopp really tweaked it. And he put Henderson Fabinho's defensive mids. And rather than have Elliot as your right center mid, he was an attacking mid. And that's why Elliot played so well. Um, other than that, the new signings, Gakpo, Nunez, both had solid games. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is now back and you can tell he's the best center back in the world um but having konate next to him just adds a lot more comfort compared to mati per gomez i was gonna say everyone looks way happier with konate around for sure oh yeah yeah that's um, it you don't want to say some more you got you got you didn't even <laughs> use seven minutes come on bro <laughs> oh, I've got, oh is that the timer i had for every goal <laughs> <laughs> for every question i mean i thought like i can't remember and i listen correct me if i'm wrong because i didn't watch all of the game but i can't remember rashford running at trent once and before going into this game i was like that's really going to be the key to manchester united's success if they have any and liverpool as far as i saw managed to stop that from happening um and maybe part of that was winning that midfield battle so l- l- let me just chime in on the rashford thing they stopped it because it didn't happen. And because the idea, um, what's his name? Ten Hag went back to Veghorst as a 10 and Rashford as a 9. And he put Bruno Fernandes on the left, which is his first time ever playing there, and Anthony on the right. You, you, we all know that Trent cannot defend. 
Rashford. We know it. Everyone in this world knows it. Trent knows it. He said it himself. The idea that you wouldn't put Rashford on Trent makes no sense, especially when his main thing is going forward. You have to push him back. Tactically, he messed that up. The second thing tactically is he put Veghorst on so he could bypass the press. But if you bypass the press, like if you're trying to bypass the press, he has to control the ball and not it on to Rashford, which I go, yes, but Liverpool have Konate and Van Dijk. <laughs> so you're, you're making him do that against two people of good pace, good athleticism, makes no sense. If they're playing a high line, they have to be slower guys for Rashford to do that, which is what he did against Man City and other teams like that. Secondly, or thirdly, Anthony as a right winger, I've hated on Anthony all season. And he did not help Delo, who is one of the worst defenders, maybe just below Trent in terms of just pure defending. Really? And you're asking him, he's horrible. I've said this for all season, he's horrible at just defending. Remember, in the Capital Cap, uh, League Cup, Sam Maxman was killing this boy, and they brought on Wan-Bissaka halftime to lock down Sam Maxman. And if you look at the space that Anthony, because he didn't come back, and the space that Gakpo and Elliot and even Nunes had, all in that one side. They just decided to attack one side effectively the whole, for 60 minutes of the game. It made no sense that either Delo didn't come off or um, he didn't bring back Anthony because he just kept high-pressing on Robertson, who just kept walking past him. It was... Liverpool played very well, of course, but Manchester United put in, in my opinion, one of the worst tactical performances and the worst passionate performances mm -hmm. probably I have seen I, I'm in 20 years and I'm not I, I, I really really mean this because when they've lost 6-1 before there were red cards it's against Spurs against Man City last season you could say everything went wrong this was supposed to be the team that was amazing and Alex you know on the pod I told you they concede possession let teams come on them way too much they did it against Barcelona. They did it against Newcastle. They do it every single game. And you're going to attempt to do that against Liverpool, who have been resurgent over the last three or four weeks. It was just a disgusting performance from the manager and the players. Worst I've seen maybe even in my life. And I'm not exaggerating. I completely mean that. No, fair enough. I, I, I enjoyed the... It's a very talk sport point, but it's actually one that I agree with, which is if you're getting battered 7-0, you need to start kicking people and getting booked because like, it just it just looks better optically, if nothing else. Um, Omar, I want to touch on a, a couple of things that Bernie raised um, regarding Liverpool. One, the high press, which to me has looked very... Uh, well a lot less coordinated and not a lot less effective from Liverpool this season than we've seen in previous seasons. So, and, but as Bernie mentioned, there's been what seems like a resurgence um, of Liverpool's form, beat Wolves, um, now be now smashed United. And the press looked a lot better. Are the two things connected? I think so, because you could afford to bring in Jota, you could afford to bring in Firmino, and you've got your other center backs. You even have extra midfielders that you can kind of play around with. Um, and that gives people a bit of a rest with like in terms of the high press. So you can get people to high press for 60 minutes or so, and then you've got full control, sub people off, rest them, and then they're ready for the next game. Um, the thing, to, I mean, to Bernie's point, I think that left side for Liverpool didn't have a lot of um, obstacles. Between Anthony and Dallo, you had Robertson and Nunes. Both are incredibly chaotic players with super high energy. And they just didn't know how to deal with them. Um, and then the whole Rashford on, on Trent, I think that was the only way to beat uh, Liverpool and Anfield, in my opinion. Just take advantage of Trent's you know, lack of concentration in the first 20 minutes, score a goal, and just defend. Like you have, I think Ten Hag went in with this mindset of, oh, well, Anfield is just like any other field. The grass is green. It's the, the same size pitch. Like he, he mentioned that before the uh, before the game, and you know, people just never never learn. Anfield is so different. Um, the thing I did like about Ten Hag is, um, at, I think for nothing, he took Lissandro Martinez and Rashford out. Now Lissandro Martinez had a yellow card, but I do think that was a very smart decision because he is trying to protect what he believes are his players. 
Martinez is his player. Rashford and, and this season's Rashford is a, is a Ten Hag player. So I do think he took them off just to kind of protect them from like the, the slaughter. Even uh, I think Bruno or Gary Neville mentioned that Bruno wanted to come off um, and Ten Hag's like, nope, you're going to have to suffer through it like everyone else. Bruno wanted to be in a different country, let alone come off the pitch. So oh, yeah. just to address that point, Bruno, like Gary Neville has has really done a disservice here because Bruno Fernandes did not ask to come off. And Gary Neville said Bruno asked to come off. He didn't do that. He w- the referee put the wrong number up and he wasn't sure if it was him or Rashford. And he was pointing as if, is it me or is it him? And it was Rashford. And he's basically got people now doing these stupid articles of, oh, is he worth being captain? People want him out. United are, are, are shit. Like Ten Hag is evaluating it. And it's like, they played like shit. You don't need to go through a witch hunt of a player and misrepresent what happened on the pitch. And and just one thing um, you mentioned on the midfield battle, which was hilarious to me, and I've said this again before, Casemiro and Fred is supposed to be high energy. And yes, it can be for a certain amount of time. But if you if you actually go back, and why would you? But go back and watch United games over the last like two months. Every single game, that midfield gets overrun. Whether it was Casemiro and Eriksen, whether it was Casemiro and Fred, what they do is Rashford scores a goal, the Casemiro scores off a set piece, they're good, and then they get overrun and they do this, they play deep, and Varane and Lissandro make some last minute, last ditch tackles and headers and put their bodies on the line, and everyone goes, this is fantastic. It's not. Because you have no control over the game. And if you're going to play Liverpool, you beat them in moments or you control the game. It's literally the only two things you can do. Moments or control the game. And they've lost to other shit teams in moments because people realize these guys can lose concentration. And he didn't do what he needed to do. So to me, 7-0 obviously never saw it. But the way they were defending was thoroughly unsustainable. But because I mean, it beat Barcelona, people went, oh, my God, I was here saying it, and I was called a Grinch. So, to me, it's not, <laughs> it's not shocking they lost. But 7-0? Fuck off, man. I, I do think, I do think um, basically, we're at the point in the Premier League where if you're not playing three central midfielders in some form or another, you're getting done. Like, if Veghorst is one of them, it's not a, a sustainable solution right like the man's yeah. a tree he's he's working hard he's doing what he can but it's not you know can, can I he, he, won't, be, he won't be playing that role next season let's put it that way i, I just want to talk about allison because he did nothing all game and, and fair play but his when allison is using his brain he's the best keeper in the world in my opinion and the By way far. he contributes as literally another outfielder in this game because how did liverpool beat the press allison <laughs> he went, okay, Gakpo, okay, Nunes, okay, Robertson, take the ball. Let's go. Let's go. And look at, like, you look at that and you go, that's how to play. You look at the other guy. The XG in this game was 3-1 in this game. And it ended 7 fucking nil. Because when you look at it and you go, why is the hair doing, like, Viz can't see me, but he's doing this thing where his hands are scooped in front of him and his body's so small, and the balls are literally squeezing past him. And it's like, come out, contribute to the play. Look at, look at, look at someone like your opposite number. Just look at him. Just look at him. Look how good he is. Look at what a man he is. Come on, man. <laughs> look at what a man he is. No, but Bernie, <laughs> I think to, to your point, the game started with any time they pass the ball back to De Gea, someone run at, someone run at De Gea, force him to boot it out. And it's funny because, like, you see people like Nick Pope who will never play a short pass, but even their long balls are like to someone's chest or to someone's head. The hair just boots it out, I think, to a direction. And if it vibes well, great. If someone runs to it, fantastic. And, and Alex, to your point, like, White Course is supposed to be your plan B. Like, hmm. that was a great plan B. You put that tall tree, like the Fellaini-type player in midfield, and it's going to hmm. work. But the fact that you're using him as your plan A, and it didn't seem like you had a plan B to that. He just said, "Okay, well, let me put Garnacho in, just another attacking player." Like, it was, it was like you said, Bernie, at the beginning. Tactically, it was really wrong. The one silver lining I'll say, Bernie, and I hope it doesn't happen, but when Liverpool lost five nothing to City at uh, the Etihad, 
they had an unbelievable run after. And I think the uh, they lost the league by like a point. So that could happen if Ten Hag isn't stubborn enough to be like, no, I'm going to stick with Weghorst or I'm not going to rebuild or I'm just going to look at the Eredivisie to like buy some new players. Look, he needs to say all of the players, except for his two, because Varane is shit. I'll say it right now. Right, right now, yeah. he's like I said it last season. This season, he's been bailed out by Lissandro a lot. Like you need to replace him. But in the next game against Betis, all of them except for Lissandro and and Rashford need to be on the bench. In my opinion, you need to send a message. If you lose that game, I don't give a shit. Like whatever. But mm-hmm. more importantly, you need to upgrade that center back position because Van Dijk had a bad season, and you said he's looking like the best center back in the world again. Part of that is. His ability on the ball as well. Like, when you have Allison, I don't forget Konate because he's good, but he's injured all the time, so I don't think about him very much. When you look at Allison and Van Dyke in this game, and then you have Robertson and Trent, even if Trent is shit, if you decide to pass the ball and move it around, it will happen, even though you guys move very quickly. But then you look at my night and you go, Dallo is really, really shit in general. Luke Shaw is the only one that can progress the ball. If he has a bad game, you're in a, you're in a big problem. Lissandro is good. Varane and De Gea, between them, it's it's we call him Wee Wee Smalling, because really he's a world class defender without feet. <laughs> so where's the ball going? Makes all his achievements more impressive, really. <laughs> his achievements are part of good units, and he's a good player. I'm not saying he's not, but what I'm saying is, if you decide to do what you did in this game which was basically say, hey, Lissandro, you're not getting the ball. They literally said, Varane, here you go. Here's the lane. Do whatever the hell you want. Let's see what's going to happen. Nothing. That's mm. tactics. And Klopp said, look, Eric, you think you're something right now? Huh, boss? You, you might beat me in the league. You might be on top of me in the league, and you might end up. And I think they will end up on top of Liverpool, sure. But this is big boys now. Next season, we'll see you. That's exactly what this performance was. And that's scary because they're going to get top four again, like the last season where Liverpool was so shit and then squeaked their way through. They're going to do it again. They're going to sign Bellingham, piss me off, and then win the league. Like, this is what I'm upset about right now. <laughs> yeah, last week, Bernie was saying Liverpool weren't going to make top four. Really, One result really does... Uh... Does change a, if you beat Man United seven nil, your confidence will be sky high rest of the season. I'm sorry, like and Tottenham and, and Newcastle are not the competition anymore. I'm sorry, Bernie. I was I was thinking about this, and and this is my dream scenario. The dream is between Arsenal and City. I don't give a shit. But then Liverpool comes in third, Newcastle in fourth, Man United <laughs> in fifth. Man United make the Europa League final and lose. So you, and I both know that's not happening. <laughs> you and I both know that's not happening. Yeah. I'll give you a seven, but I'm not giving you this. <laughs> uh, Alex, actually, so, I, it's, it's, yeah, sorry, I'm going. Oh, sorry. I was just, I, I, I do at some point want to talk about the goals because I think the quality mm. of the goals was unbelievable. And like Please. an XG of three. Um, I mean, let's, let's start with the first goal. I think, uh, it started with Allison, like you said, Bernie. Under pressure, passed it to Robertson. Robertson's just running sideways and then turned, played that reverse pass to Gakpo, um, who completely took Varane out of the game. I have no idea why Varane was so committed to the byline. And then really nice curl into the corner. Sorry, Omar. Before you say the second one, can I, can I tell you what happened on that goal? Yeah. Remember? Anthony's press, like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Then Allison, But where was the low? If you watch that that clip, Delow is playing center midfield. For what fucking reason is Delow in center midfield? He has no idea of positioning. Again, if that's one Bissaka who loves to be on the right, where is Gakpo going? Where are they going? Nowhere. Because Gakpo had all the space in the world, ran a mile onto Varane and said, Varane, I'm cutting in on my right foot, which he has to do better at. But that goal begins and ends with those two on the right. It was disgusting. in fairness, though, the beauty of Liverpool's front three is they're so dynamic. So Nunez is supposed to be a left wing. Dallo's supposed to chase Nunez. Nunez came to the middle, and that's why Dallo was there. Same thing happened with the Salah goal um, when Gakpo played on the left. Like They're so dynamic, and it's back to that kind of like the Salah, Mane, Firmino trio that it becomes so confusing when you're trying to man mark. 
Wonder but why Manmark? You, you just said the exact point. Manmark. And there was I was reading about this because I didn't watch the game initially. And I was like, you never manmarked before. Why did you decide to do this now? The whole point of being Liverpool is to maintain your shape. Everyone who beats Liverpool this season, and it's been a lot, maintained their shape and were disciplined. And you decided to manmark with the worst manmarker in the world in the low? At least put Wan-Bissaka to manmark somebody. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, because I think Delo offers a lot moving forward, but if, if you're not going to attack or if you're just going to play route one to Weghorst, then there's no point having Delo there. I have to say with the with the front three, though, like we've, we've talked about earlier in the season how, you know, Nunez didn't settle early on and there were, there were a lot of jokes. He missed a lot of good chances. Um, Gakpo seemed... It seems like a slightly random signing, given that you know the Jota's already there. Firmino, we didn't know at that point was going to leave. Salah's there. Nun, um, Diaz. Diaz is coming back. If these guys settle down, and if this ends up looking better, Liverpool's attack is back to being terrifying, given the amount of options that that they have. I mean, we we spoke we speak a lot about Jota because I just think he's a fabulous player, but like. Having Jota to come off the bench when a game is going this well is rude. Oh, yeah. Like, I was thinking about this as well. If everyone's fit, who would be the front three? To me, I honestly Salah think it Diaz. would change every week. Other, like, Salah's, Salah starts, and other than that, I don't know if you can... I think, I think Darwin would start. Not That's that I rate him, but I think, I think Klopp would. I think after spending that money and having him acclimatize in his first season... I think those two others are a lock. Everything else is like... Because the industry have Jota and Diaz and Gakpo fighting for one spot. Like, That's mad. Yeah. I, I, mean, do, I, do think Omar, I do think Omar in... We've talked a lot on the pod about the midfield of Liverpool. And to your point, you didn't expect to win the battle. To me, I'm like, I, I know what I've seen week in, week out. But But that said, it's still a place that you need to upgrade, at least in terms of legs and fitness, because again, I look at this performance and I go, Man United played into Liverpool's hands very easily. Mm-hmm. Not every team is going to do that, and we've seen that over the course of this season. In fact, if you if we go back, the season before, you had a great season, but the season before that, it was pretty shit. Yeah. And it's an up and down, up and down, because of, I think, the aggressive style that Liverpool plays where it's very hard to keep up that momentum consistently. You're, and I feel like when you lost Vinaldum, you lost someone who was just a 7 out of 10 engine every single game. And you're also probably control. going to need to refresh that, right? Yeah. Like, in terms of a younger dynamic, big into Champions League, Bellingham. And again, I'm upset, because if you get Bellingham, just forget about it. Like, you know, <laughs> just, just forget about it. Like, I know Fabinho is shit this season and had a good game. Bellingham, um, Thiago, if he's fit, sure, fine. And then one more? Come on. Like, that's a good midfield at that point. Well, that's the thing. Then you're, like, you're bringing off the bench Henderson and Fabinho rather than Milner and Curtis Jones. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the difference, hopefully, next year. Um, The problem is, and I think uh, you guys talked about it on Twitter, but before the game, there was a... A plane with FSG out, Klopp in, <laughs> and you know, shame on us for being angry by winning seven nothing with FSG out and you know, new Qatari owners in. We could have won seventeen nothing. Um, but the the problem is when you look at other teams spending, you know, Chelsea half a million in an, in in a season. Man United's going to spend a lot next season. Obviously, Man City's going to you know, Pep's going to cry to his shake and be like oh we lost the league by five points to arsenal we need 300 million dollars to buy like wing backs that i'm going to turn into center mids because that's my new tactic um but with the liverpool owners it still seems like they're focused on sustainability and it's let's spend if it makes sense but more importantly we need to sell to buy new players and ironically that isn't sustainable when you look at the premier league and you look at teams like Brighton and Brentford and some of these is that true though Omar a lot of money is, is that true though like what how, how much did it? you spend on Darwin and then Gakpo like is it is it true or are you just spending 
up front and not really anywhere else. So, well, I, oh, go ahead, Alex. Sorry, I was just going to say, I was looking at this the other day. Um, if we just take last summer, like Liverpool spent in the region of 150 million. Um, they were outspent by, which was about the same as Man City, they were outspent by Chelsea and United. But I don't think you can really... It, it, I wouldn't be concerned about that because Chelsea are ridiculous and Bowley's just a madman. And then United have Alex, spent... spent 100 million on, on Anthony. Like, does well, it count? Right. I exactly. don't think it counts. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm concerned about people who spend money wisely, which is what Liverpool tend to do. I'm not concerned about people who just splash it around like a headless chicken. Um, That's true. I, I, I mean, I take the the kind of premise that Liverpool can't spend as much as these guys. And so year after year, you may start to see a gap open up possibly, but I still think, and and, and to your point, like Brighton and, and Brentford and what have you, all of these clubs show that spending money smartly is far more important than spending a lot of it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the good thing is Liverpool's scouting system is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's and and they do spend money when it makes sense, but they usually do it now. Maybe they might do it once every like couple of years where they're just going to spend and it's going to be a negative uh, net spend. But usually it's no, we're not going to spend unless we sell. We're not going to buy Van Dyke and Alton. Um, Mane for thirty. I'm trying to remember oh, yeah. who the other. Okay, Mane. Um. I mean that was that was a financial decision. We know that. So yeah, that, that one sense. you had to, because it's either pay him the same as Salah now or just sell him. Right. But I, I just yeah I, can you think of anyone else? Because I I just feel like the top, the big clubs in the Premier League and Chelsea are going to find. I mean they know this, but they're going to find out you know to a dramatic extent in the summer. Really hard to sell players, like really really hard to sell players because Europe is broken. Everyone's on two hundred grand a week. Yeah. But who do, who do Liverpool need to sell? I feel like they need players because, like, Milner, you can cancel his contract. Who cares? Henderson will retire there. Fabinho, I, I, there's no market for him anyway because he's, what, 31 or something? I don't remember how old he is, but he looks old. <laughs> Maybe it's the hair. I don't know. But there's no or market it, for yeah. him regardless, right? So you pretty much, I think to Omar's point, you do have to spend now. And maybe it's the young players that you hold for a long time kind of thing, Bellingham again. Like, maybe that's what you do. And then you eat it and you amortize it like Chelsea before the law comes. I don't know, whatever. But you pretty much do have to spend some money and you don't have assets that you could reasonably sell right now. You I could probably sell... Sorry, Emma. Sorry, I was going to say, I wouldn't be surprised if they sell Jota or at least consider selling him if, if a good offer Ooh. comes in. That would, I mean, to me, that would be mad. I agree. But if someone but injury offers a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, that injury record, maybe they're thinking to that extent. Diaz is too good of a left wing. He has way too much flair. Just the entertainment value you get out of him is unbelievable. <laughs> That's and then, the thing. I think Jota is a much better footballer, but Diaz is, is very fun to watch. Oh, 100%. And then you've got Gakpo and Nunes who could play on the left. Yeah, why not? Like, why not consider selling Jota? But I don't think I mean, anyone comes in for him with that injury record. It's just it won't make sense. You spent forty million. What are you going to get? Twenty? Maybe? I, I don't. I don't see it. I don't know. You'd be surprised. Like Jesus was sold for what forty-five to Arsenal. Like I think I think a team like that can spend that much money for him. Like if he stays fit for the season, I think I think they'll they'll make an offer. I'm He's not still saying I would young, want to sell. You know? Yeah, like 25, 26. Yeah. He'd be worth a crack for someone else. I think. I think you could end up. I mean, you should sell Joe Gomez for anyone who's willing to give you five quid, and then <laughs> Curtis Jones possibly. Like if if you invest heavily in the midfield, he's he's not going to get a game anyway. He's young and English, so you can get a bit more money than you would otherwise. Yeah, something like that. Um, we're half an hour in. Before we move on from from Liverpool, very quickly, Mohamed will uh, will kill us if we don't briefly discuss um, the Egyptian king. You don't have to. Salah, he's not here. I just, very quickly. Come on. He's, he's up all night. He, need, he needs some entertainment. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Omar, let's start off with a ridiculous question. Is he the best player that Liverpool have ever had? And uh, I'm, I'm just counting like the Premier League era because I wasn't watching yeah, 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 yeah. Del Gleish in and out in the 70s. But <sighs> I do think quality-wise, Suarez had that one season that's just gold. But if you do take into account like the career, the Liverpool career, has to be between him and Stevie G. No one else. And I'd, I'd probably say he edges it. Uh, yeah. I mean, morally, I just have to go with that. I can't let I Stevie mean, G. Stevie G is a piece of shit. Like, we know this. But <laughs> no, man. No. Like, okay, it, what's the criteria? Like, like what? Good at is football. Like... <sighs> Good at football. Influence. Stevie G dragged... Liverpool to tight like trophies when they were shit, and I mean completely abject garbage. He did West Ham FA Cup final. Are you joking? The Champions League final against Milan. Listen, they got to that final, but they were horrible. Like, let's not, let's not mess around like, here. He like won the, West the Ham FA Cup final. Was in he wasn't there when he won the cup treble? Like, oh come on! I get it. Yeah. I get it. I do. Mohamed, I understand it. I do. I get it. I'm just saying, I do understand. But Liverpool's shittiest version of the club won trophies because of Stevie G. On his back. Literally, almost by himself. I always gravitate to players that can do, do things like that on their own, by themselves, lift the club. To me, you can't, you can't put Salah over that. Even if, even if I get it, I wouldn't do it. So, Salah's been one of the very few people over the last few, five years to at least compete with Messi in the Ballon d'Or. Never won it, mm-hmm. but he's been in the top five. I don't think Steven Gerrard has been in the top five. That's like I, I agree with you, Bernie. What Gerrard was there has that done year with him and Lampard. He won, he came third that year. No, and he was unbelievable. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like this isn't me trying to bash Stevie G. It's I think we're just comparing two different data points here, which is Stevie G had way more influence because he had a shitty team he had to carry. Salah was in a world-class team and has performed at world-class levels and completely destroyed world-class teams on the biggest stage. Yep. And that's why I say I understand it. I really, really do. I really do. I just, I always gravitate to guys who, who lift shitty teams on their own. It's always been my favorite thing while I like Raquel me, for example. Like, I always like people like that because I'm like, it's just it's just the wow moments that they give you that you have no reason to do this or to be here, and then someone makes magic happen. I've always preferred those kind of players, even in basketball. So can I, can I give you a reason that that Gerard was was kind of able to do, like the West Ham FA Cup final, for example, right? A few, just a few reasons: Isaac Hayden, Marlon Harewood, <laughs> Matthew Etherington. I did like he was up against a different level of opposition a lot of the time. It's not that Milan one though. Wait, what, what are you, what are yeah, you saying? Is they're all like 40 years old plodding around. What are we, so what are we saying here? That was the best. Go look at that starting level. One of the best teams ever assembled, my guy. One of the best teams of pensioners ever assembled. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I do understand it. I do understand it. Uh, anyway, right. Let's talk about a proper football team. Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2. Um, this was, this was, Bernie, you described Arsenal's resilience as sickening, I believe. It's disgusting. Like, like it, it, it. It's disgusting because I didn't think you would lose a game at any point. No, no. And that. whenever you're, and I, and I, the way I put it to these guys is that it feels very Ferguson-ish, and that is what makes me sick. Where it's like, two <laughs> down, so what? You know, we'll win it. And I'm like, fuck. Like this is how it felt for people watching that. Where like. Eh, they'll pull a Tottenham on on these guys right now, and it's not as if you're surprised that it happens. I really wasn't. As soon as I walk into Reese Nelson, I almost just turn off the TV. I was like, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be a goal. They're, I'm not willing to say you're gonna win the league. I'm not. I'm not. But this is the closest <laughs> I've ever been to saying it because you're inevitable, and when you're inevitable, that's the biggest compliment anyone can pay can can pay you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think like these are the moments, like when Liverpool won the league. Um, these were the moments that really kind of 
one, give Arsenal players that edge and that, like, we can beat anyone, doesn't matter for 2-0 down, doesn't matter if it's Bournemouth, Man City, whoever it is. But also, like, it seems Man City psychologically sometimes just don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they're watching the games and, and, and you know, the players might be, like, looking at the scoreline, be like, oh, okay, great, well, Arsenal's bottling the, the league title. But, like, when they see Arsenal kind of constantly have these comebacks and, and have these really impressive results, I think it, it takes a toll on City. And the reason why we're seeing a really bad City this season, a big part of it is they're not expecting Arsenal to actually keep up. Yeah, City look tired and annoyed to me. That like they um they it's kind of like you know, like a championship uh, sorry, a champion tennis player, and then all of a sudden like a Nadal breaks through and you're like Andre Agassi and you're like you've been I don't even know if those timelines align, but you know what I mean? Yes, like you've yes. been winning, you've been winning for years. And then all of a sudden this kid, it just won't stop running won't stop returning the ball. And just like, Oh, would you just fuck off? You know what I mean? Like it's that kind of vibe from city at the moment. Do you remember, yeah. I think it was in the, like when England, they all got together before the world cup. And then Kyle Walker was asking Bukasaka, are you guys going to keep winning? Yeah. Like, I was like, why would you say this to this man? Like it shows that like they're in your head. Like, they're living in your head rent-free. And mm-hmm. you did it at Villa, I think, for, yep. like, to win 4-2. That was the Martinelli open goal celebration before he scored. I think you were two. Anyway, you came back twice in One that game, down, I remember. Yeah. And then this again, it's like, mate. Like, the only way at this point that this breaks down is if Man City beat the shit out of Arsenal. And we know that's not going to really happen. Hey, but I didn't think we'd lose 7-0, but whatever. Like, it, it probably won't happen, but that's it, really. Because I did, we did go through the fixtures and there are some hard games. And to be honest, based on the hard games, if Arsenal did falter, it's not like a, it will no longer be considered a bottling. Because the games <laughs> that they have coming up, if you lose them, you go, fair enough. Like, City do have an easier run in than Arsenal. That's just the way it is. If Arsenal did lose those games, Fair enough. The chances to bottle have gone. The chance to bottle was Villa and Bournemouth. That would have been bottling. Now it's just, it is what it is. But you're in such a strong position. It's very difficult to say that, even if they're tuning down at City, that they can't do something. Like, they're that mm-hmm. scary right now. Yeah. I yeah. actually want to ask Omar whether you see any comparisons. To me, there are a lot of kind of comparisons um, or similarities to when Liverpool, a few years ago, just kind of came onto the scene and clearly had more energy, more intensity, more verve about them, young team dynamic. To me, there are a lot of similarities going on. It's like, it's not a revolutionary style of football, but it's tweaked. So it's slightly different to what we've seen before. And it just has an edge over people. Yeah, I I agree. I think like even compare some of the players, like between Saka and Martinelli, compare them to like Salah and Mane. It's the same sort of vibe where, even on a bad day, they're still going to score goals. And then your midfield, the only thing I would say was different is Odegaard. I think Odegaard has been phenomenal. Mm. I think having that attacking mid just creates such a unique way of saying, we're not just going to attack from the wings. You've got Odegaard that can actually score and assist from the middle, which is great. Um, Zinchenko is the one that's, in, in my opinion, he's probably been the most important signing mentally. Because you've got this young team who's just absolutely chaotic and it works for them, but you need someone calm to just be like, guys, we can win this league. Like, don't worry about it. I've won it before. Um, and and <laughs> mm-hmm. Zinchenko can do that mentally, but technically he's he's been great. The only thing I would worry about as an Arsenal fan is Saliba's drops in performances lately. Mm. Um, he... I think he was being compared to Van Dyke a few months ago, or at least the potential. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't sort it out, he's going to become the next Varane because <laughs> he has similarities <laughs> to him. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's the it. range, right? I think, I think that's the range. I think you've got your floor there and you've got your ceiling. What I, what I would say to that, and I take your point, is that William Saliba is 21. Like Virgil van Dijk wasn't the Virgil van Dijk we know until he moved to Liverpool, which at, at that point, I think he was 26, Somewhere. give or take. Yeah. Like at Southampton, he was good, but he wasn't this colossus that mm-hmm. he eventually became. So I think Saliba has plenty of time. I, I, I think 
it's not even Saliba who bothers me. It's Gabrielle. He really, <laughs> really bothers me. And, like, Saliba is, like, again, when, if Gabrielle is your mentor or the, the leader, that is how you can get at Arsenal. The one thing that we've seen is that whenever teams have forwards, even Solanke was giving them problems, even though they were literally just, yeah. like, <laughs> route one all the time. But he was giving them problems. So was Watkins. So was Tony. That duo is susceptible to a big man who is mobile and can get around. And when you look at it, that's why I go, okay, I can see City winning because that's what Holland is. He will, he gave them a problem in the in the last game. He'll probably do it again. If you play Darwin Nunes as a nine in the next well, on April first, you could give those two a bit of a problem, and then you have to then you push Zinchenko back. You guys play April first, uh, sorry, April 9th, sorry. If you push Zinchenko back with, is it Salah on that side? What side is he on? Yeah, you could push Zinchenko back. I can see tactical points where teams can win against Arsenal. But the problem with Arsenal is, for me, not the problem, the good thing is, I see these things on the pitch and I go, just right, look at the space behind this guy. But they can't get there. You can't it's get very, the ball either. Exactly. You can see the way to win, but you actually can't do it. So those are the only, those are the two teams I'm like, they have the, the 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 facilities to do those things. Let's see. Let's see if they if they actually end up doing it. Bernie, just speaking of Gabriel, I want to tell you something funny. So um, they announced the Brazil squad a few days ago, and uh, Gabriel wasn't selected. And so he mm-hmm. tweeted two words. He said "new job" and then put a basketball emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, he would like that. That's funny. That's- I Wait, like so that. Who's centre back to Brazil? Then you've got um, Thiago Silva still, mm-hmm. or no? Marquinhos. Did he retire? Marquinhos and <laughs> oh, the dude at Real Madrid. What's his name? Eden Militao. Look, yeah. wait, who's the other one? Thiago Silva. Who's the one in the middle? You said Marquinhos. They're they're Thiago Silva is there on um, respect or whatever. Leg- I, legacy like, grounds. Yeah, yeah. Like this, we know, but the other two are better than Gabriel. So that's fine, whatever. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I I, I, w- I would put them all at the same level. Even 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 if they are slightly better, you'd think Gabriel gets into the top four defenders for Brazil. I think he should make the squad. I just don't yes, think he'll ever put off the yeah. bench to play a game because those two are much better than him. He's he's not very good in my opinion. I really don't he rate is, him man. at all. He is. He's just a fourth, nutcase. Fourth sometimes. one is Bremer, by the way. He's had he not good? a great season for for Juventus, allegedly. Uh, He'll get in a bug, Bremer. I'll give him that. I'll, I will give him that. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Anyway, that's fine. Um, City uh, chasing, beat Newcastle 2-0. Newcastle, uh, there's not really that much to say about City. We've talked about them a bit. Newcastle are having a bit of a drop-off, though. Um, mm-hmm. They can't score any goals. That seems to be a bit of a problem. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Omar. Um I think you guys predicted this as well. Um, you said they're not going to concede a lot. So to be fair, I mean, I, I watched I watched the game. I was awake seven thirty on a Saturday, and I'm like, I don't know who to root for. I don't like City, but <laughs> I also don't want Newcastle to win. Um, but City absolutely destroyed Newcastle. Newcastle only had one chance um, in the second half, Isaac. But conceding only two goals to the City team could be considered a good defensive performance, I guess. Um, but sure. attacking-wise, you know, the, the Almiron hype train has just gone. St. Maxima's not contributing as much. And, you know, between Wilson and Isaac, I think they just need more support from their midfielders. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think Newcastle is going to drop off and maybe not make the top four, um, even the top five, potentially. Um, it's looking like City, it right now, yeah. Yeah, City just looks like a, a really well-oiled machine now. Well, I want I want to ask you guys. Isak hasn't started that many games, in, from what I remember. Partly, I think he got injured for a bit, but also there was yeah. a point where Wilson had a like he was just doing really, really well, and you wouldn't start yeah. Isak over him. We talked about how they've built this club the right way so far, and not mm-hmm. necessarily splashed all the cash they could, considering they have, you know, the most petrol dollars of anybody on earth at this point, but. The one that they did do was Isak for sixty million, and I know it's early, but I'm I'm struggling to see how that pays off 
unless two things happen. A, he's, you know, maybe, I don't know if he's adapting to the league and it's not doing well personally, or the team changes the way it plays to support him better or not. It doesn't seem like a good fit for 60 million to me right now, because he likes to play in behind and run, and they don't really do that. So, well, Wilson does that, but you're not really going to pick. So if I mean, I guess the idea was that Wilson's only fit for half a season, and he's also relatively old. So you give Isak some time, and then in a couple of years, he becomes your number one striker. I guess. I mean, I was just looking at his goal record because he's never been like super prolific. His highest goal record is. 17 all competitions in 44 games that was a few years ago for Sociedad so it is a reasonable question like for 60 million I suppose you would think this is going to be your guy Um, and whether he scores enough goals to be that guy when the wide forwards like Anthony Gordon and say Maximan and and to your point Amaron aren't going to chip in like 15 goals a season then you have a question I think if you can get wide forwards who score a lot of goals around Isak, then you have a better a better system. Hmm. Forty million on Anthony Gordon too is just like why? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. I yes. don't get it. Nor do I. Nor do I. He runs around a lot. Foden yeah, played sure. well though. He did. Foden played well, and so his his goal was interesting because um, Dan Burns a funny looking guy as a <laughs> six foot six left back. Correct. But when Foden received the ball on the right wing, on his left foot, he's going to cut in, buddy. I don't know why he <laughs> decided to defend the byline. Just completely open up the gates for Foden. Um, and all he had to do was just run, um, I think, one past Sven Botman and then um, took a shot, ricocheted in. Uh, yeah, he, he played well. Um, uh, you guys spoke about Gunduan a few weeks ago. He has been probably City's best midfielder, even over Agreed. De Bruyne over mm-hmm. the last few months, let alone maybe the whole season. He's been phenomenal. Just City looks so controlled with him, whereas they're a bit chaotic with Bernardo Silva there. Yeah. Do you remember? I, I think he's probably leaving at the end of the season. Isn't his contract up? I don't know. They're going to struggle yeah. to replace him. Do you guys Where remember him? that one season where... I, I just I think De Bruyne was injured for like 50, 75% of it, and Gundogan just went absolutely insane. And there was even that game, I don't remember if it was at Anfield or Etihad against Liverpool, where he just turned into, like, Zidane or something. I don't even remember. But, like, he is so underrated in world football. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't make any lists of anything. <laughs> you know, he's yes. just a brilliant, brilliant football player. And if that's the guy that is, like... Either you're bringing off your bench or it's just going underrated. Like, what the hell else do you have? And you're still second to Arsenal. That's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's properly insane. You guys True. spoke about Liverpool maybe not spending a lot but needing midfielders. I would take Kondo on on a free. Oh, yeah, Easily. 100%. Mm-hmm. Mo says that all the time. He would take him on a free for Arsenal. Um, he's better than Steven Gerrard. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm hanging up now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I'm agreeing with a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Before we go on, uh, I want to take a quick, uh, quick break to answer a question. Um, Curran at Curran BOP on Twitter says, "Which club would you rather manage right now, Liverpool, Manchester United, or Chelsea? You take over the second the podcast drops." Omar, let's start with you. Ooh. Try to be objective, I suppose. Ooh, it's a good question. <laughs> they just won seven 0 <laughs> they're, they're on the high right now and look at the question <laughs> um, as a manager so okay I'll, I'll try to be objective as a Liverpool fan I'm not going to get the funding but I get amazing fans if I'm doing a good job if I manage Chelsea I've got Boley and Abramovich's ghost somewhere trying to like <laughs> buy players on behalf of me and buying all sorts of random players and very little control, very little good fans to have my support. And then with United, it's, you don't have any control at all. Like here's the thing, Bernie, like United fans to managers that aren't doing that well are incredibly toxic. But when a manager is doing that, yeah. So probably Liverpool. I mean, you're you're right. I'm just going to throw Roy Hodgson back at you. For what? Oh, Liverpool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Look, look. I Omar is saying all the right things. Like, if we're being honest, right? Forget this last, like, right now, hang up the pod nonsense, okay? Like, <laughs> if if we're being honest, Liverpool is probably a better environment overall for a manager because Correct. people want FSG gone. And, and Omar, maybe you know, I mean, you do know more than me. I don't understand the banners. I don't understand the problem. Like, FSG came in and you've had the best periods that, since you've been alive. Like, and it's not like a Glazer situation. I don't think they are acting in the worst interest of the club. I don't think they're taking money out of the club and enriching themselves, unless I'm wrong about these things. They just seem to be owners who fell into a, a bit of financial hard time post-pandemic. Am I am I wrong about that? No, no, I don't. I, I don't think it's as bad as um, the Glazers. I do think you know sometimes both sets of fans get a bit spoiled where we're like, oh, we don't like our, our owners, and they go ahead and spend a hundred million on a player, um, and we're like, well, why don't you spend five hundred like Chelsea? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I will say, yeah, they're not as bad. They did make some weird decisions, like the um, they furloughed some staff. The entered the Super League. They're not the only ones, but I think you add all of that and plus Klopp papering through the cracks. Um, you're right. It does seem like it's the best environment. Hey, I'd love to meet Salah and like just vibe with him, even if I'm Hudson and he hates me after, but, uh, you know, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think, I mean, the Glazers are maybe an exception because United have, have had some success while they've been the owners. But I honestly think for most fans, whether they like the ownership just comes down to how the team is doing on the pitch. Like with with Arsenal, like there were, there were protests, there were marches against the Cronkies. We care, do you? Cronky out, blah, blah, blah. And then they appointed Arteta. They made that, that decision correct. They made the Edu decision correctly. And, you know, the rest is history. And now no one gives a shit about the Cronkies. Um, Spurs, when when they appointed Pochettino and everything was going well, like all the Levy out stuff disappeared, they stopped doing well, it came back. Like, I, I honestly just think results lead to this kind of stuff. I, I will say that, to answer the question directly, if you're not a fan, and this is without bias, if you're not a fan of either club, there isn't a manager in world football who will pick Liverpool or Chelsea over Man United. And the reason for that is simple. It's the biggest club in the world, and every manager is categorically insane. Every <laughs> single football manager will go, if I can be the guy to get Man United back to where they were, I'm going to be the biggest hero in football history. That's how they think. They're all crazy. But that is literally how they all think. And, I, and I've, I've noticed the football managers, I look at people taking jobs, I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then I realize they're all insane. Scott Parker. <laughs> and so looking at it, you go, well, he just wanted a holiday, to be honest. But like, we look at it and go, what's wrong with Belgium? They got they chocolate. So many things. Sorry, I didn't mean to, to derail this and start attacking they got, Belgium. They got, they got great <laughs> but chocolate. Bernie, but Bernie, that's it's just, a, it is what it is. It is Manchester United point. is that club. It is what it is. People mm-hmm. will take that for the money. They'll take it for mm-hmm. the prestige. Look at the ownership situation. Liverpool have been on sale for months. Not one bid came in for Liverpool. Not one. People are looking at Manchester United and going, I'm willing to pay $5 billion for this. Managers will come if, if, if they're neutral. They just will. Yeah. I, I do think, to your point, like there's a huge opportunity with, with being a hero with, at United. Taking over for Klopp at Liverpool, as, as great as that environment sounds um, within mm. the Liverpool space, you're always going to be a villain. Yep, if you're, that's 100%. If you're taking over for a club. And Chelsea's just, honestly, they're, they're too irrelevant now in the league, but I don't know. I don't think we're considering them as an option. I would consider them as an option only in that whatever you do, no one's really going to blame you, and then you just get a ton of money to leave. They're still blaming Potter, though, even though he's, I, don't, I don't know if he's to blame at all. Chelsea fans are going to blame Potter, but other chairmen will still appoint him any the second he leaves that club. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, said, that said, sorry. Um, so I hope that somewhat answers your question, Karen. Um, let us know what you would choose. Um, that said, Graham Potter has won his last two matches of football. 1-0 against Leeds, which is underwhelming. But they just beat Dortmund 2-0. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Bit of a funny game. Chelsea looked better. Kukurea played well, which is nice for him after 
I think they got taken out of the team for a few weeks and then brought back in. That seemed to work. Um, but can we talk about this penalty? Yeah. Wait, so... You talk, before you talk about the penalty, Alex, talk about the hmm. Sterling goal because he air-kicked that. <laughs> then, like, got his body in the way, like, the ball deflected, and then he just absolutely blasted it from five yards out. And I was like... <laughs> That and the penalty, which we'll discuss now, like sums up Chelsea, where it's like they're just getting by, <laughs> and that's okay right now. Burnley should see the build-up for that first goal because three Dortmund players fell or slipped along the way, <laughs> <laughs> and then it deflected to Sterling twice, and eventually he scored twice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Actually, we we have a question on this from Kate Armstrong at Brain Chain at Brain underscore Train chain sorry i can't speak on twitter who says why does raheem sterling always score against borussia dortmund and to omar's point i think it's because borussia dortmund aren't very good at defending mm. that yeah. wall is only hypothetical <laughs> well the other thing i i watched this game but um sterling started off as a right wing but then he turned into you know when you grow up playing and you've got that one annoying fast striker that just plays up top and stays like next to the post. <laughs> just so he can score tappings. That's what Sterling was playing, but staying onside. He <laughs> played last man. Every time they just booted the ball and, and took advantage of Dortmund's high press and, and played in that gap between uh, last man and goalie, Sterling's just there. Running, running, running. And as soon as someone caught up to him, he's like, oh no, I don't know how to dribble 1v1. Let me pass it back to Enzo or Kovacic or <laughs> some random guy. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you it's not the worst the idea in the world because we've talked for the last few weeks about how none of this, like people who are nominally strikers or forwards can actually score goals. So maybe they're just trying something different. The penalty though, like I'm just annoyed by this. I, I mean, I feel somewhat good for Kai Havertz because I think he seems like a nice bloke and he's really struggling. But it was it was repeated for encroachment, right? But when you look at the picture, Chilwell is encroaching before and ahead of anyone else. And it doesn't actually make any difference. It just doesn't. I know to the letter of the law, etc. But it's just so annoying. Yeah, it's, it's funny because... What the law says versus, I think, the way refs have been interpreting it is just weird. So if an attacking player um, encroaches, they let it go. But if a defensive player encroaches, even like just a step, they're like, whoa, 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 we need to take it back. You've got a yellow card. I don't even want to see you in the parking lot after this game. Shame. Like, they just completely shame them. Um, but yeah, it is really inconsistent. Um, but uh, to be honest, they did... I actually wanted to talk about the way the penalty was announced. So someone, I, I can't remember who, but one of the Chelsea players kicked it and a Dortmund player was just standing still, decided to turn to not get hit in the face. And so his arm went up a bit and the ball hit his arm. Ref called the penalty. Um, I don't think that was fair, like especially after VAR. Like, was it a clear and obvious decision to not award the penalty uh, the first time? If you can answer that question, you yeah. will win the lottery because I don't know what clear and obvious means anymore. Like, if you have to watch the replay 10 times, like, are we talking about clear and obvious anymore? Yeah. Also, what is a natural position anymore? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't even know if clear and obvious is the criteria for the Champions League. Like, I know that's what it's supposed to be for the Premier League. I don't even know if it's the same criteria. I remember something about like UEFA are more liberal with giving handballs for like in the box, regardless. Like, like I don't know what their guideline is, but they're notoriously liberal in terms of. Oh, hit your hand penalty. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I don't know if that's yeah. good for the game, personally. See, to me, that was a perfect scenario for an indirect free kick in the box. Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, it's not. It's not a goal-scoring also, opportunity that's been prevented. Like, not a clear one. You guys remember playing football as kids. I feel like as we were playing as kids, there were a lot more indirect free kicks. And Wait, I don't know no. I don't know why. Like what like what was like what occurred that caused those things, but I can swear there were so many of them growing <laughs> up. <laughs> it's absolutely and you'd make true. Up, you'd make up the rules. You're like, no no, it's a free kick, but you didn't bleed. 
So it's an indirect <laughs> free kick. It's not a penalty. <laughs> yeah, your foot is still attached, so sharp. Yeah, yeah. I did kick you, but it's my ball, so technically it's an indirect free kick. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, man. Right, Chelsea going through in the Champions League, um, despite being mid-table in the Premier League. That's funny. City against Leipzig tomorrow. Oh, sorry. Uh, I did uh, bring up Scott Parker a minute ago, so just to, just to finish um, having a go at him. Um, which I shouldn't really, because you know, English manager takes a job abroad. We should applaud that. Very brave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's way out, <laughs> way out of his depth, and just got absolutely fucking battered by Benfica five-one, which was yeah. what seven on aggregate, seven-one, seven-one. Yeah. Um, that said, the Club Bruges goal is unreal. I, I mean, if you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. It defies physics, as far as I can tell. Yeah, technique was crazy. Like I saw the highlight for it, and uh, just super casual. The guy's like, oh, "Whatever, <laughs> let me try." We're losing anyways, but like, yeah, like just unbelievable technique. It it looked and it was incredibly intentional. Like it was shocking how that man said, "This is going in," before it even like left his foot. What a goal! Uh, Honest to God. Yeah, the guy called last goal wins and then kicked it. <laughs> and imagine he couldn't even celebrate that, like because he's like, "We're so shit." Like I can't celebrate this. No, no, no. Yeah. In his head, he was just like, "This is amazing. I'm the best. This is. Fun. I don't care about the result." Because <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's not winning the Champions League anyway. Yeah. Alex, here's an interesting stat on Scott Parker. So right. remember when he was sacked and people were like, that "Seems a bit harsh," mm. right? He had a 51% win record at Bournemouth. Okay. His his record at Bruges is 16.7%. <laughs> and they're like the third or fourth best team in the country. Yeah. It's rubbish. <laughs> that's that's Here, horrendous. Here's a question for maybe the listeners. Is the Belgian league better than the championship? No. I don't know that we have any listeners that are going to know the answer to that, to be honest. But if if someone does, please tell us. It's a very good question. Uh, on this evidence, no. Like, what's the name of their the, the, of their league? The here? Jupiter Pro League, isn't it? Oh, Is it Jupiter or Juniper? They're two very Mate, different things. The teams that go down in the Premier League must be better than Bruce. <laughs> it must be. I reckon probably. Genk, Union, St. something, Antwerp, Club Bruges, Ghent, Standard Liège. Come on, man. Nah, Champions League. <laughs> this is MLS we're talking about right Sub-standard now. Substandard Liège, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if anyone's got any thoughts, please, please do let us know. Uh, Champions League tomorrow, um, Spurs against Milan. Doesn't really matter in that whoever wins is not going to win the next round, probably, if you know what I mean. But then you've got Real Madrid against Liverpool. Uh, it's 5-2 to Real Madrid. Omar, any chance you're turning this round on in this new vein of form? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just beat United 7-0. Surely it's possible. Uh, Real Madrid has this Champions League or Like, they could... They could lose seven nothing to Barca in the league, and and they're still gonna. Also, Liverpool is Real Madrid's favorite customer. True. So, for for me, at least if they can win the game, I, I'd be happy. I really doubt they're gonna turn it around. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Uh, we've also got Bayern against PSG. What is the uh, so Bayern are one nil up. Um, Neymar is out because it's that time of year you know what i mean um and uh, i honestly i don't know that that diminishes psg's chances of doing anything but i still don't expect them to win yeah mbappe is not fully fit i don't think yet and messi's on retirement so (laughs) like he could show up and kill you or Bayern will win 4-0 those are the only two possibilities here yeah, fair enough. Um, last thing on Bayern, apparently they're trying to extend Alfonso Davies' contract to like 2028. 20, How do you feel about that? Because my init- my gut reaction was to be a bit annoyed because I just want to see him play somewhere else. Oh, Omar? I th- I, honestly, I think he's on part to be like the best Canadian player ever. And he'll yeah. do that with Bayern. If he goes to... 
the Premier League, someone's going to shatter his ACL in like the first few weeks. <laughs> so I'm I'm happy with them staying. Uh, he's he's a lot of fun to watch, and the good thing is they're sometimes like Bayern just tries to be creative because of how boring their league is. They're like, let's play Correct. Alfonso Davies as center back. Let's play him as striker and, or left wing. Like They're just trying all sorts of things because they're that good. Um, but there are rumors that Davies is going to play as a center back tomorrow against PSG to keep up with Mbappe, which I think is going to be a really interesting battle. It's not the worst idea in the world. Yeah. That's because Nagelsmann is going to play on the halfway line. Like, you know he can't help himself. He's going to park his defenders on the halfway line because he loves that high line. Oh, my yeah. God. Do not do this, bro. That would be oh, fun, man. though. And then who plays left back? Lucas Hernandez, if he's fit? I don't even know. Um, No. Hold on. Let me check. Because is, isn't he still injured from the World Cup? He may very well be. I really have no idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, um, yeah, I don't really know who else they can play out there, but I suppose it doesn't really matter. Like, if if you've contained Mbappe, what the rest of it's not really that. Oh, important. actually, this yeah, this is an interesting story. So this um, kid named Stanisic, um, yeah, he's being played as a left back, and you know who's upset about that? Joao Cancelo. Oh yeah, yeah I did see this. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, like. Cancelo's now like imagine he leaves on a free transfer next year. I don't know if, if that's actually the case. But well, 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 that brings up a very good question because I think he didn't play the last game, and then one before he played like twelve minutes off the bench or whatever. Yeah. And Juventus threw him away for Danilo mm-hmm. and a packet of crisps. Um, he had a great what two seasons, a one and a half at City, let's say. And Pep is happy to let him go. Like, is he all that? I think on the or... football pitch he is. I think clearly off of it, he's a massive bellend. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I can see that. I can see um, that. So, I don't know. Where, where, do, where do those kind of guys thrive? Well, the... Uh... I would back in the day under Sam Allardyce's Bolton would have been really really great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now I'm not sure. Nottingham Forest. That's a good shout, actually. Yeah, and then after three weeks, Sergio is still starting ahead of him, and he has to leave. <laughs> <laughs> actually, PSG is exact is exactly where he needs to be. That that's yeah, you're right. That's, that's the club for him. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Control would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, gents, we better leave it there. Omar, thank you so much for joining us and for volunteering your Liverpool knowledge. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Alex, it was a pleasure talking to you. Bernie, pleasure torturing you tonight. This episode was one hour and seven minutes. Sam. <laughs> Half an hour of it was United-based torture, so it could have yeah. been better, it could have been worse. Bernie, we appreciate yeah. you, you sitting through it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. All talk right. to you both soon. See you guys. All right.